You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. Again, I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki, and it's finally here. The regular season, just a couple days away from today, and one of my favorite times of the year, where where hope springs eternal, it's Prediction Day. I, maybe it's just the fact that you have a chance to pretend like you're smarter than everybody else. Maybe that's it, but I, I love predictions, so that's what we'll do for today's show as we said, just a couple days away from the start of the season. We're recording this on Sunday, so four days away from the start of the Winnipeg Jets season. So here's what we'll do today. We'll go through each division, ending with the North Division. And then after that, I mean, I guess I'll make my final four picks at that point. We'll make some awards predictions. And then we'll take a look at some over-unders for members of the Jets when it comes to point totals. And actually, I did just see this. This just came in. An email for me a little while ago, but there's a coaching odds list that just came out, and you 100% Jets fans are going to want to see where Paul Maurice fits in on this specific list, but we'll get to that closer to the end of the show. So let's just dive in. I don't want to waste any time. Let's get right into it. I, I guess we'll go with the, the quote-unquote the Eastern divisions, the, the two that feature predominantly Eastern teams. So we'll start off with the Central here. I guess I should mention, too, that each division sends four teams to the playoffs, so the top four, therefore, obviously get into the postseason. So we'll start the first prediction. And, and maybe it's a bit of a hot one. <laughs> I don't know. I do not have the Detroit Red Wings finishing dead last in the NHL this season. You might say that's not that hot of a take, or you might think that's crazy because they're terrible. And they are terrible. Don't don't get me wrong. But I'm actually going to put the Chicago Blackhawks behind the Red Wings. Just because what we saw from Detroit last season was historically, epically awful. So like it's just it's so rare for a, a team, any team, no matter who they have, no matter their talent level, to finish that poorly in the standings. The last team actually was the Avalanche about five, six years ago. And then they turned around right after that and went on and I believe made, I don't think they won the division, but they definitely made the playoffs the next season. I'm, I'm not doing that with the Red Wings whatsoever. My point is just that sometimes historically bad teams get brutal luck and then that reverts a little bit next season. So I, I think Detroit gets, I'm going to put the Red Wings in at seven. Chicago, we all know what's going on there. I mean, you could not have had, a more disastrous 
couple weeks before the season started. Patty Kane's going to do his best to keep him out, but I'm actually going to have Chicago 8th, followed by Detroit at 7. Number 6 in the Central. Now, there's a group of teams here. I'll, I'll just kind of group these 3 through 6. Four teams here that are going to be battling for the final two playoff spots, okay? So no surprise, Tampa, Carolina for me at the top. We'll get to that in a second. Nashville, Dallas, Columbus, and Florida. I am going to put the Panthers in the sixth spot. I actually expect a bounce back from Sergei Bobrovsky. I think he's going to have a good season. I just don't think it's going to be enough. And you wonder, Barkov's two years away from UFA, what goes on with his situation if they miss the playoffs once again. My first surprise and one of my bigger surprises of my predictions here, and I love doing this, you have to kind of go out of the box with some of your picks. And I'm going to do that here at number five, the team that's missing the playoffs in the Central. And they were a couple wins away from the Stanley Cup last year. Yeah. The Dallas Stars are going to miss the playoffs just a couple months after almost winning the Stanley Cup. I mean, I wasn't super high on Dallas to go into the playoffs last year, so I'm just not buying what they did as something that's sustainable long term. I I think something that not enough people are talking about is the injury situation Dallas is in right now going into the year. I mean, Tyler Sagan is a brutal, brutal loss even though he did struggle in the postseason. I mean, you lose your number one center, but the Ben Bishop one looms large for me because a shortened season, I mean, we're going to see, and and the Dallas Stars did this straight 82 games, right, where they would just rotate the two, essentially, you know, split it 50-50. I don't know when Ben Bishop's coming back, and with his injury history, is he even going to last when he does come back? So Anton Hudobin, again, is is left basically trying to single-handedly carry Dallas in, Jake Ottinger comes in with a ton of potential, but 22 hasn't really played a whole lot in the NHL. I I think the question marks in goal, and despite their unreal top four, I just think Dallas is again going to struggle to score, and I don't think they're going to stop as many pucks as they have in years past. So I'm going to have the Dallas Stars out of the postseason because the Nashville Predators pushed them out. I got the Preds at number four, followed by the Blue Jackets, All the way up, I guess. All the way up at number three. So I got Columbus and Nashville making it. Dallas, Florida out of the postseason. I'm not super high on Nashville, to be honest. And I'm not going to be shocked at all if Dallas, you know, takes over that playoff spot from the Predators. But I guess I'll lean on the fact that, you know, Nashville has the best defensive pairing on the planet. And I I like Columbus. I, I don't think they're an upper echelon team. But all they did this past season really was... Uh, they lost some depth on their blue line shirt, but they added Max Domi for a guy that didn't even play for them last year. And I think Max Domi is exactly what Columbus needs. A ton of offense, a ton of playmaking. I don't think the Dubois controversy is going to affect them when it comes to their play, and I think he's going to get moved after this season. So I'm not worried about that. So I, I do like Columbus to take that third spot in the division, which leads us to the top two. I think everyone's going to have Tampa Bay and Carolina occupying those two spots. I'm going to go with the Hurricanes over the Lightning. Maybe a bit of a Stanley Cup hangover baked in there for Tampa. I mean, combined with the fact that, oh, I don't know, one of the five best forwards on the planet isn't going to be there all season long. I mean, Nikita Kucherov being out is a major, major, major blow. And I get Stamkos is coming back, but there's a little bit of injury concern there. I, I just think Tampa Bay doesn't need it, right? Like, they're going to go into it and... That number one spot isn't going to be of utmost importance to them. I think Carolina is going to push them and ultimately find a way to grab tops in the division. I love everything about the Canes. I really do. I mean, maybe outside of goaltending, 
But Mrazek's okay. I, I just think Aho is is ready for superstardom. Wouldn't surprise me if Svechnikov is their leading scorer as well. I mean, they have Netcash as a support piece on the third line for now. <laughs> uh, but I think Carolina has – I just think they have it all. So I'm going to take the Canes to win the Central Division. So that wraps up our first division. Again, Carolina, Tampa, Columbus, Nashville making the playoffs out of the Central. Dallas just narrowly missing out. We'll move to the East now. And for those that know me, this is the division that I am going to keep my eye on at least the second most or as much as the North Division because it involves my Philadelphia Flyers, who I'm pretty, pretty high on this year. So we'll get to that in a second. But this is by far the best division in hockey. It's not even close either, I don't think. There's going to be a couple teams that maybe in a different division would somewhat easily make the playoffs that aren't even going to get a sniff in the East Division. It's just it's an absolute meat grinder and a bloodbath. And it's probably going to have the most entertaining hockey on top of it. All these teams are pretty much rivals. So we'll start at the bottom. Uh, this is an easy one for me, the easiest one at least. Uh, I'm going to go with the Devils. Just brutal news for them too. Right, right on the eve of the season, Corey Crawford calls it quits. So hopefully he's just in a good place, but that's brutal. I mean, Mackenzie Blackwood's a great young goalie, but I mean to not have a support piece like that going into the season. I just think New Jersey is at least a year away from being a bubble team. And I think every team ahead of them is significantly better. I'll be very interested, by the way, to see what Jack Hughes does this year. Really, really tough year for the number one pick last year. You know, I really wanted to put Buffalo higher up and have the Sabres challenge, mainly because I just feel bad for them. Man, oh man, despite a good offseason for them, their goaltending is horrendous. It's, I mean... I just don't get why, and especially with a team with so much cap space, why you wouldn't have more aggressively pursued, a, I mean, maybe Marc-Andre Fleury, but I, I like a lot of what they did. Their forward core is not bad now, which is a major improvement over what they had before, and Jack Eichel finally gets an elite running mate to work with. I think, as of right now, Stahl, Reinhardt, Olofsson's their second line, and I also think Rasmus Dahlin is going to have a bit of an impact this year. I think, I think Rasmus Dahlin is... Tired of being left out of the conversation of who's the best young defenseman in the NHL right now. You kind of forget the kid's only 20 years old, and he had 40 points in 60 games last year. So don't be shocked if Darlene takes a big, big leap this year. Um, But I just can't put the Sabres ahead of the rest of the division. I'm going to go with the Rangers at number six. I mean, bright things are ahead for this. This might be the last time in a long time the Rangers are, are on the outside looking in. I just think they're a year away. They're not that deep down the middle. On the wing, they're as good as any team in the NHL. They're really, like, really, really impressive. I just don't see them having enough strength to get ahead of the teams that are up above them. Trying to figure out who was going to fit in the, in the five spot was one of the more difficult things for me. Um, the East Division and the North Division, which we'll get to later, these to me were the toughest. Ah, man, it's still tough, and I'm not really confident on this one either. So I'll reluctantly go with the New York Islanders missing the playoffs. I know, Dolphin, I'm so sorry. The king of Dolphin, Barry Trotz himself. I think he's the best coach in the NHL. I mean, losing Devin Taves was massive. New York's a good team. I just I can't take them ahead of Washington. I, that's really what it came down to for me. I have the Capitals at four. I mean, it's really close between those two teams. I think Peter Laviolette coming in is going to give the Capitals a bit of a spark. I mean, they're old as hell. They they got to win now. I, I really wonder if even next year they're going to be a contender. So there's so much emphasis put on this season. 
I think Lavi's going to give them a bit of a spark, and I think the Caps find a way to just sneak in to the postseason and get into that number four spot. Number three, I'm going to go with Boston. Last year's President's Trophy winner. I'm going to go with the Bruins in the third spot. Now, that's a team that had a really tough offseason. I mean, they're just going in-house in terms of replacements for Tory Krug and, and Big Z. On top of that, I mean, Marshawn's back at camp. It looks like he's going to be good to go for the season, but you wonder just how how Brad Marshawn-like he's going to be to kick off the year. And and David Pasternak's battling that injury, uh, coming off surgery. So that, to me, is just enough to push them out of the top two. Very reluctantly, I will take the Pittsburgh Penguins at number two. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a big believer in the Penguins as contenders, but the fact is, this isn't a prediction as to whether or not they're going to win the Stanley Cup. It's a prediction as to whether or not they're going to make the playoffs. And the Penguins, with all their faults, I would say an elite regular season team. And they went through a ton of injuries last year, and they still pretty much cruised to a playoff spot. So... I mean, despite some depth issues in Pittsburgh, I'll, I'll reluctantly again take Pittsburgh at number two. And another one of my surprise picks, maybe, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I'm going to go with the Flyers as the number one seed. But I think the Flyers are the deepest team in the NHL up front. And for, for those wondering here in Winnipeg, Nolan Patrick has reportedly looked outstanding at camp so far, which is great news for him. It looks like he's going to get you know the go-ahead to start game one and I mean, starting with JVR and Jake Voracek as the team's third line, that's a pretty cushy spot for Nolan Patrick to jump right into. But they're not going to lean on him either, right? Like, the top six is still pretty good in Philly. So I'm going to go with the Flyers in a bit of a surprise to take the number one seed in the toughest division in hockey. Once again, thanks for listening to Skates and Plays here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Brandon Verwicki here with you doing our prediction show if you don't like my picks or predictions, which you probably don't, <laughs> let me know on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewiki. Let's head out west now. We'll go to the West Division before we make our final most contentious picks right now. Uh, this one's a bit of a dud. The West is kind of a dud. Uh, there's three outstanding teams and five meh to awful teams. So we'll make this one a little bit quick. Bottom two, King Sharks. I kind of wanted to take San Jose to make a bit of a surprise playoff push because I think, you know, them being an older team, some time off might have done them good. I think Eric Carlson's going to have a, a banner year this year too, by the way, in case you may be thinking of sprinkling some money on him making a surprise run to the Norris Trophy. But their goaltending sucks. Their depth is awful. The Kings, the Kings are doing everything right in their rebuild. They're just, you know, still probably two years away from getting back, hopefully for them, back to contention. I have them as the bottom two. Man, I just I don't like anything about Arizona, and I feel bad for the for Coyotes fans. Um, I I wonder what their path is going to be moving forward here. I mean, there's just no elite talent anywhere on this roster outside of goalie. So as far as skaters go, I I, I wonder if Clayton Keller is ever going to be anything more than like a sixty point guy. But I just don't think they have the scoring to get it done. So I'll have the Coyotes at six. I wanted to put Anaheim into the playoffs. I think John Gibson's going to have a big year, and that's what's going to keep them in the playoff mix. Kevin Shattenkirk was kind of a sneaky good pickup at just under four mil uh, to fit into their top four. I just don't think they have the offense to get past Minnesota, who I have at number four. Think what you will of the Minnesota Wild, but they always find a way to get in, don't they? 
or I shouldn't say get in, they always find a way to sit themselves into the playoff mix. Maybe to their own detriment. You know, they sure could have used a high-end pick at some point over the last four or five years. But I have Minnesota at number four. I don't think they come even close to challenging the big three here in the West Division. I mean, Colorado, Vegas, St. Louis, That's a, that might be the best top three in any division in hockey. But trying to pick who's going to finish where out of those three is a difficult task. I'm going to have St. Louis in the three-hole mainly because I just still have some concerns about Jordan Binnington and there's no safety net in Jake Allen there anymore. I'm going to go with the, and this is a bit of a tough one for me, but I will put Vegas in at number two. For me, Vegas has the best blue line in hockey. To have Petrangelo and Theodore on two separate pairings, so essentially for like 40 to 45 minutes a night, you have to deal with one of those two on the ice. That's really unfair. The reason I don't have them higher is down the middle. Down the middle, they're not great in Vegas, but as good as Vegas is, I just can't put them ahead of what I think is the best team. And again, you know, no real surprise. I think just about everybody does. You know, the Colorado Avalanche are the best team in hockey for me. They might have the best forward core and the best D-line in the NHL. Their blue line to me is a just a touch behind Vegas, but I could certainly get the argument for it. And I mean, Byron McCarr could be the D pair in Colorado for the next decade. Have fun with that. Up front, I just I, I don't see a weakness, honestly. Right now, their second line going into camp, and I actually I kind of forgot about this too. But the Brandon Saad trade, how about that for a move? To have Kadri, Saad, and Landeskog as your second line. You know what? Now I feel even better about having Colorado ahead of Vegas. Yeah, I, I just think the Avs are primed for a run to the cup final. All right, here it is. What you've all been waiting for. The North Division. Can the Winnipeg Jets get back into the postseason? A legitimate postseason this time around. I, You know, talking with people, I feel like everybody is, is pretty much in the same boat when they look at this division. I guess we'll just start off with this. The Senators are going to be the seventh team. Ottawa's improved. I think they're on the right track, too. Their blue line is horrendous outside of Thomas Shabbat. Just not enough talent in the forward core. So they're they're on the up and up. I'm just going to have Ottawa 7th. We won't spend a lot of time on them. I think a lot of people feel pretty confident about who they have at number one. But I think we're all in agreement. Two through six. Would any combination really surprise anybody on how those teams finished out? You know, like, I'm I'm semi-confident on who I have up at the top. But other than that, even then, it's not like, you know, lock it in stone sort of a deal. It's just we could see we could see any of these teams make or miss the playoffs and not be overly surprised. And let's find out where the Winnipeg Jets find themselves, okay? So I'm going to try and make this as suspenseful as possible. So I have Ottawa at 7. Let's go to number 6. Now, the Athletic had the Jets at 6th in their predictions. I will not. I am going to go with the Vancouver Canucks at number six. I, I like what Vancouver's building over there. Their top six is dynamite. I mean, Nate Schmidt and Quinn Hughes as your top two defensemen is outstanding, and Quinn Hughes is going to be a superstar. So they're, I mean, they've kind of done the, the, the difficult part of the rebuild. Their top end talent's all there. But I'm just not a believer in what they have in their bottom six and the other four defensemen, and I think there are major question marks in net. As great as Thatcher Demko was against Vegas, and he was outstanding, 
He's been so-so at the NHL level. And it's just such a small sample size. I mean, I'm not going to go one way or the other on Thatcher Demko, but even if you split the difference and say he's something like a 9-10 this year, Brayden Holtby has been below average for a couple seasons now. They might be okay in that. I just don't think it's going to be outstanding. And they kind of need outstanding, I believe, to push them up closer to the playoff line. And their bottom six, I mean, as it stands right now, Tyler Mott, Brandon Sutter, Jake Vertanen as your third line? No, that's not good enough. Godette between Zach McEwen and Antoine Russell? I mean, that's an okay fourth line. They just need a little bit more. They, they need some more production. And I just don't think they're going to be able to get it. And when we were talking about this on the big show, an interesting point, is JT Miller a point-of-game guy? Like, can they expect the same production out of him this year? Or is there maybe a little bit of a step back for him? I, I'm not sure. He could be that guy moving forward. I, I think Elias Pettersson is going to have a hell of a season, though. I, th- I think he's going to be just outstanding. So there's a lot to be excited about in Vancouver. I just have them a little bit behind the rest. But again, I'm not going to be surprised if their outstanding top six and Quinn Hughes and some decent goaltending push them into the postseason. So I'm going to have, again, Ottawa 7, Vancouver 6. Let's jump up to the top of the division. Number one... You know, may, yeah, I feel pretty good about this. I'm going to have Toronto at number one. And I know people, uh, uh, no one believes in the Leafs. They're same thing each and every year. Here come the Leafs and nothing ever happens. Nothing ever changes. I don't know. I, I kind of got a good feeling about Toronto this year. I don't know what to expect out of guys like Joe Thornton and Wayne Simmons at this point in their career. But it does seem like they provide a different sort of a presence in their room. And I know that term can be overused. But, I mean, Joe Thorne's just so damn fun to be around. And I don't think the Maple Leafs had a lot of fun last year. So, right? So, you know what I mean? Like, just, I, I don't think he's going to be on their top line either moving forward. I, that might just be a bit of an early experiment, see what we got there. But, I mean, Toronto's pretty loaded up front, no matter what you think about them. To have that, to have the duos in their top six, Matthews Marner, Tavares Nylander, that's pretty filthy. Like, it, it, it is really good. And as of now, their third line, Kerfoot, Hyman, Mikiev, it's, that's not bad. Like, Zach Hyman's kind of a sneaky good point contributor to go along with all the other intangibles he brings. Mikiev was really good until he had that injury later in the season for them. I mean, he was on pace for 50 points last year and, and doing so not in their top six for a large majority of the time. And on top of it, the TJ Brody edition, I mean, it really, really sucks Winnipeg couldn't get him. I don't I don't think he – I think he wanted to go to Toronto more so anywhere else. Um, but Morgan Riley, TJ Brody, he finally gets a steady complimentary guy beside him, and I think he just would have been the, the perfect fit beside Josh Morrissey. But to have Riley, Brody, Muzzin, Hole, I mean, Travis Dermott might not even get into the lineup opening day, but that's a guy that could be a top-four defenseman. Bogosian adds that grit and sandpaper that maybe they've lacked over the last couple of seasons. They've got a good goalie tandem in Freddie and, and Jack Campbell. I just think they have, maybe it's more so they have the least flaws compared to the rest of the teams in the North Division, and that's why I feel comfortable picking them at number one. I also think Matthews Marner is going to have one hell of a season if they're together all year long. I mean, Mitch Marner might have had the most disappointing 90-point pace season of all time last year. He's, he's still overpaid, but, I mean, he's still going to be a 90-point guy. I'll be very, very fascinated to see how much production those two get. Uh, but I'll have Toronto at number one. I, I wanted to get a little spicy 
and and put the team I have at number two up at the top, but I'm not going to go that far. But I'm also not going to be surprised if they win the division, and that's the Montreal Canadiens. I am I, I'm totally buying into what they did in the playoff run, and it wasn't like it was all just smoke and mirrors. Even though Carey Price was outstanding, we'll get to him later. But they gave the Flyers all they could handle in that first round matchup, and taking the Penguins down making them look slow to the point that Jim Rutherford basically made that his offseason plan. I, I just think there's a lot to like in Montreal now. That The top line there is sneaky good. I don't think they get enough credit either. And I wonder, I mean, what does Braden Gallagher have to do to get 20 minutes of ice time a game, <laughs> right? Uh, he's one of the most efficient goal scorers in the NHL, and they just don't play him enough. I wonder if that changes. But Deneau, Gallagher, Tatar, they were outstanding last year. Maybe the biggest reason I'm high on Montreal is Nick Suzuki. I think Nick Suzuki is going to be a gem for them on the second line. As of now, it's Anderson Drouin. It's going to change a bunch for Montreal throughout the season, but I think Nick Suzuki is a no doubt about it second liner right now. I think he could be their best center by the time this season's done. But look at their bottom six. I mean, come on. Kakaniemi, Toffoli, Armia. How many third lines are better than that? Jake Evans, Paul Byron, Arturi Lekkinen. Corey Perry might not even get into the lineup opening day. Jordan Wheel might not get into the opening lineup. They're, I mean, they're just deep as hell, and I think that's going to be really important over the course of this shortened season. Their blue line is solid, too, and I'm a big fan of Alex Romanov. I think he's going to have a nice rookie season. But Sherrod Weber... Jeff Petrie now with Joel Edmondson. They are big as hell, too, up front. Or, sorry, big as hell on the blue line. I, I You know, it's good. It's not outstanding, but they've got a good defense. I think they have the best goalie tandem in the NHL. If you want to put Connor Hellebuck ahead of Carey Price, that's fine. And you have the numbers to do so. I just can't do it just yet. And I think, look, they're spending basically $15 million on goaltending, which is insanity. Right? It's just not efficient whatsoever. But I think the addition of Jake Allen is going to be really important for Montreal because Carey Price, in my opinion, has been overtaxed the last couple of seasons. He's going to be fresh. I think we see a a massive, massive resurgence from Carey Price this year. And I do like Montreal to finish second and challenge Toronto for top spot in the North Division. So that leaves us only three teams left and two playoff spots. The Alberta squads... And your Winnipeg Jets. I wonder how many people have the Jets in the playoffs, by the way. I, I I can't get a good read on if people here are optimistic or pessimistic about the Jets' playoff chances this year. But having said that, I do have to put at number three the Calgary Flames, which leaves us with a battle between the Oilers and the Jets for the final playoff spot. The Flames, they had a pretty good offseason as well. Markstrom is an upgrade over Cam Talbot. Markstrom Riddich is a good goaltending duo. Rasmus Anderson took a huge step last year. And I like I like Giordano Anderson as that top pairing. I also think, by the way, Valamaki Chillington, that's their third pairing right now. Don't be surprised if they give Hannafin Tanev a bit of a run for that second pair. Those two youngsters, Valamaki was hurt last year. But that that has a ton of intrigue for me on their blue line. And I, I like the way they've structured their lines up front. A, a bit of a different look as opposed to when the Jets faced them in the playoffs last time around. Still have Johnny Hockey and, and Sean Monahan up at the top line. They're joined now with Dominique Simone. The second line now sees Elias Lindholm shift to center. 
He's with Matthew Kachuk and Dylan Dubay. Dubay was outstanding in the playoffs. And a third line of Backlund, Mangiapani, Josh Levo, who was a really sneaky good addition, a good death player for them, leaving them Sam Bennett with Derek Ryan and Milan Lucic. I really like that mix up front. I, I like the way they've balanced their lines there. Now, the big question with Calgary for me is just if you heard if you're a big fan of NHL rumors, there's just been something bubbling underneath the surface in Calgary, especially with some of their stars. Like I, I don't know what the deal is with the Flames and and maybe specifically Johnny Gaudreau. That's the one thing that would I guess concern me as to whether or not they fall out of the postseason is that maybe just some behind the scenes stuff starts to rear its ugly head and and that's what keeps Calgary out. But pushing that aside, I I think the Flames have a good mix everywhere. They're pretty balanced. And I'm going to have them in the third spot. Which leads us Edmonton and the Winnipeg Jets. I, to be honest, guys, I have gone back and forth on this a billion times over the past couple of months. I And I, even now, like, I have it written down in front of me. <laughs> and I'm still not super confident about this pick. And I'm, I'm wondering right now, like, should I change it? <laughs> Should, should I just swap it and, and have one team in, one team out? I'm going to go with what I have written down here. And I think it's going to be tight, and it might come down. Now, this is the interesting part. If it comes down to the final week of the regular season, the Jets' final four games in May at Ottawa, at Calgary, but at home to Ottawa, two consecutive games to close out the season. That is really intriguing that if the Jets need points late in the year, that's a prime opportunity to get it, and it kind of makes me want to change my pick again. But I'm just going to go with it. I do not have the Winnipeg Jets making the playoffs. I got the Oilers. I'll take the Oilers at fourth and the Jets at five. I'm, I'm sorry, Winnipeg. I just I couldn't do it, and I'll, I'll explain my reasoning here. For Edmonton, I think Connor McDavid is going to have a season for the ages. He's 23 years old. Isn't that just scary? He's 23 years old. I'm going to say that Connor McDavid cracks 100 points this year. And yes, I am well aware that they aren't playing 82 games. I, I just think Edmonton's deeper. I mean, they are. I, I don't think. They are deeper up front than where they have been, especially just compared to last year. Um, I'm not a huge fan of their blue line or their net. But Miko Koskinen, the contract's what it is, Miko Koskinen's been pretty good, right? Like a 9.17 last year. If he does that again, it might not matter what Mike Smith gives you, but if if that's what you get, that that's probably enough to get Edmonton into the playoffs. Another year for Ethan Bear, who I'm a big fan of. I think he improves. Right now, Caleb Jones is with Adam Larson. I'll be honest, I haven't seen enough of Caleb Jones. I don't, yeah, I don't know what to make of that, but... I mean, it's an improvement over Chris Russell being up there at the very least. And I think Tyson Berry is a nice third-pair add, and I think he's going to be a perfect fit on that power play, which was ranked number one, by the way, last year. I, I can't imagine it's not ranked somewhere in the top three again. But to see that third line and have Kyle Turris and Jesse Pugliarvi there, whatever you think of them, it's an upgrade over what they had last year. And I believe the Oilers were on pace for the most points of any Canadian team last season. But maybe the biggest reason I have Edmonton where they are is that I think they're going to be pretty aggressive at the trade deadline. 
and I I just can't say the same for Winnipeg. I think Edmonton's going to go out and make a move or two. You know, not a not a big gigantic splash, but I think they'll add a defenseman, and I think they add a forward or two as well. And I I just think that's going to be the difference between them and Winnipeg. Now, why do I have Winnipeg out of the playoffs? You know, some of it comes down to what we've seen over the last few days. To to be honest, I, and I, I when every point's so valuable, I just don't think the Jets can can. Ex- I just don't think the Jets can experiment with some things that I disagree with right now. I think there's big-time issues in the bottom six. I, I think this team is better off with Adam Lowry at fourth-line center and Andrew Kopp at third-line center. They're not going that way. Kopp, Lowry, Appleton. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you're going to get a whole lot of offense out of that trio. I hope so, but I, I don't see it. And with Jack Roslovic being AWOL right now, that's a big loss in the bottom six. And the reason, I mean, really for me, the main reason why I would like Adam Lowry on the fourth line is that that takes Nate Thompson out of the lineup. And right now, Nate Thompson's in. And that fourth line is just going to be a black hole. They're just not going to score. They're not going to give up a ton, which is great, but they're not going to score. And I, I just don't understand it. They have the personnel to, I think, feel the good fourth line. Like I, I like the addition of Trevor Lewis. Matthew Pro, if he's on your fourth line, that's fine. Jansen Harkins... Like, why couldn't you even have Trevor Lewis, Matthew Pro, and Jansen Harkins as your fourth line? But we know Paul Maurice, if we just go by what he's done in, in, his, in years past by his history, Nate Thompson's going to be on that fourth line, and they're not going to produce again, which is too – they're not going to produce again, which is a little bit unfortunate. I mean, the blue line, there's still so many question marks. You know, even if they run with their optimal lineup, I think there's some question marks on defense. But again, I just I'm not going to get into it because look, we all have our opinions on it. I'm not believing in Morrissey Pullman as a top pair. I don't understand why Dylan DeMello is not beside Josh Morrissey. And I think that's going to hurt the Jets especially early on. And we'll see how long that experiment lasts. Maybe it's not all that long and it's you know becomes a moot point, but I I just don't get it. And even then, right? Like is that blue line good enough compared to what else we see in the North Division? I don't think so. I don't think it is. But we'll see. I, I do like Forbert and Pionk. I think the Jets' second pair is going to be decent this year. But I just I don't know what to expect out of Sandberg, although you know early returns out of camp have been promising. I love I love everything about Philly Hainala, but again, like we, how how can you bank on either of those guys being big time contributors this year? And it doesn't sound like Dylan Sandberg is going to get intel after he gets a run at the AHL level. And who knows with Hainala as well. So, to me, big, big-time question marks still on that blue line. And, and maybe the biggest thing for me, and, and this is going to sound so weird because it's the Jets' biggest strength. I'm not going to use the term regression either because I think that's it's completely unfair to Connor Hellebuck. But I'm just not expecting Vesna winning goaltending again from Connor Hellebuck. And let me explain. Like, it's not a slight on him whatsoever. But he had a season for the ages last year. Just he he was absolutely outstanding, by far the best goalie in the NHL last year. Can he do that two years in a row? I don't think so. And if I mean he's had an interesting career so far as well, where it's been a bit of a yo-yo so far. Twenty fifteen nine eighteen, that's drops down to a nine oh seven the next year, then back up to a nine twenty four. Then back down to a 913. 
then back up to the 922 last season and the Vesna Trophy. I'm not saying that, you know, because in the past he's been up, down, up, down, up, down, he's going to be down again this year. But even if Connor Hellebuck is just good, is that good enough? You know what I mean? Like, if he was just good last year, the Jets aren't even sniffing a playoff spot. So I'm I'm expecting out of Connor Hellebuck something in between, like, a 9-15 and a 9-20, which is still a great season. I think he'll probably finish somewhere in the top 10 in Vesna voting again. I just I don't think he's going to be as good as he was last year. And so when you take all that into account, yeah, sorry, guys. I'm just going to have the Winnipeg Jets just, 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 just outside of a playoff spot. So, again, Toronto at number one, Montreal at number two, Calgary three, Edmonton four, followed by Winnipeg, Vancouver, and Ottawa outside of the playoff picture. Please don't get too upset if you Jets fans. I really think it's going to be close too, by the way. Like I, even with a little bit of a negative spin there on what I think is wrong with the team, there's a lot, lot right. The top six is going to be dynamite. I, I just I don't think it's going to be enough. It's going to be close, but I just have them missing. It might be as small as one or two points too, which would be a really crappy way to end the year. But we'll see. I, I do think it's going to be pretty much a coin flip for the Winnipeg Jets. Maybe they can squeak in. Quickly here, we're going to go to the final four. How I see the playoffs, at least the divisional playoffs, playing out. You know, I took them at number one in the East. I'm going to go with the Flyers. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm totally biased, but I think, I think I have a good reasoning behind this. I'm going to go with the Flyers to come out of the East division, out of the Central. I don't have Tampa winning the division in the regular season. But I think Kucherov's coming back, and I, I don't know how you can pick against the Lightning right now. As good as Carolina is, Tampa, I'm going to take Tampa ahead and come out of the Central. For me, the Avalanche, I said it before, the best team in hockey. They're going to come out of the West Division. I mean, the North Division playoffs, if they go as I have them here, a first round of Maple Leafs, Oilers, McDavid, Matthews, like as far as the NHL goes, boing, <laughs> that is like that is a dream here. For TSN, like that is maybe the the number one. Even like with the rival with Montreal, I think Toronto Edmonton would be one of the best playoff series we've seen in a long, long time. I think you would have Montreal Calgary. I just think this is the year Toronto. I don't want to say gets it done because I don't have Toronto winning the Stanley Cup, but I think we see Toronto win a couple playoff series, and they haven't done that so far. They haven't even won one in a long time. But I, I'm going to take the Maple Leafs to come out of the North Division. I'm not going to make predictions as to who gets to the cup final just because, we, I mean, we don't know who plays each other. But I have Philly, Tampa, Colorado, Toronto as my final four. And screw it. I, You know, I'm always pretty superstitious when it comes to stuff like this. But I'm just going to dive in. And I'm, I'm really optimistic about the Flyers season, so I don't know how they do it. I don't think they're better than Tampa or Colorado. I'm going to take the Flyers, go out on the limb as the Stanley Cup champs. Carter Hart wins the Consumite Trophy. So we went through the regular season predictions. Let's have a little bit of fun here. Hey, maybe let's try to make some money as well, right? Um, but I'm going to do some awards predictions. And you can, if you can, depending on the site you use, maybe do a bit of a parlay. Um, maybe do a bit of a parlay. You know, maybe throw some moolah on some long shots or some some favorites as well. There, there's money to be made if you kind of get heavy in on the odds here. 
So let's have some fun. We'll make some predictions on the awards. And if you guys want to follow me, I'm going to throw down some money on these picks, by the way. Uh, but I'll, I'll also let you know where the Jets fit in, where the Jets' odds are on some of the major awards in the NHL this season. So these are to win the Stanley Cup this year. Colorado is the favorite, followed by Tampa, Vegas, Toronto, I guess because the North isn't the greatest division, and then Boston rounds out the top five. I mean, there's not a lot, there's not a lot of money to be made on Colorado, Tampa, but if you want to go that route, I don't, I don't really blame you. If you want value for a cup winner, the Flyers at plus 1,900. By the way, all of these odds courtesy of CoolBet.com. So check that out. These are the odds as of Sunday when we when we recorded this. But I'm going to go as far as decent long shot odds. The Flyers at plus 1,900. The Blues at plus 2,100. The Penguins at plus 2,200. And even the Capitals at plus 2,400. You're getting some decent odds there. So, yeah, I mean, that's who I would go as a bit of a long shot. The Jets are way, way, way down there. Let me see. Right around the 21st, 22nd spot, it looks like, at plus 4,900. By the way, that's tied with Columbus, Florida, and Buffalo. The disrespect to me with the Sabres. Come on. I, I would have the Jets. I mean, that's not a bad super long shot odd. Just because the Jets have, you know, elite goaltending and elite shooter talent up front. So if you want to get a little nuts, go ahead and get nuts with the Jets at plus forty nine hundred. Let's uh, we'll we'll start before we get to the big big awards. Let's go to some of the minor awards, okay? Now I didn't see odds on this on CoolBet. If you see them somewhere else, feel free to take my advice and roll with these. Um, but for the Selkie. I'm going to go with a winger winning it for the first time in a long time. I'm going to go with Mark, Mark Stone. Winnipeg's Mark Stone. I, I think he's been long overdue. Sometimes with these awards, too, it's you know narrative-based where a guy is quote-unquote due for the award, so he wins it maybe a year or two later than he should have. But I think Mark Stone and Vegas are going to have a great season. And, I, I mean, hey, look, takeaway leader in the NHL. I don't know if anybody's better at pickpocketing guys. I, I think Mark Stone's going to get his due this year. Don't know what the odds are for that, but hey, try Mark Stone. Try Mark Stone as your Selkie winger. Try Mark Stone as your Selkie winner. And, and hey, maybe don't be surprised for a back-to-back winner as well. Sean Couturier, if you want to throw that down as well. Uh, the Jack Adams. I am going to go, and again, I don't have the odds for this. I have the odds for the rest of the awards, so if you see these anywhere, feel free to take a run. Because I have the Flyers finishing first in the East Division, the hardest division, I am going to go with Elaine Vigneault as the Jack Adams award winner. I mean, with a Jack Adams, you kind of want to try and pick surprise teams and teams that finish near the top of the standings. So I'm going to go with Rod Brindamore and Claude Julien as well as a couple long shots because I have the Hurricanes winning the Central. I think Montreal is going to challenge for the North Division. Let's go to the Calder. Now, there is a Winnipeg Jet on the Calder list. He's a little bit on the ways down there, but he's still there. And that's Vili Hainala. Vili Hainala is still eligible for Rookie of the Year. I, I mean, the odds aren't great for him. We don't even know how many games he's going to get into, so may, maybe don't bet money, but if you want to. Vili Hainala has the 15th best odds to win the Calder at plus 2,400, so... You could make a bit of money if he comes out of the gates and, and goes absolutely bonkers for the Jets. I'm going to go with Kirill Kaprizov. He's one of the favorites at 450, 
just behind Igor Shosturkin. But I think Kaprizov, he has the advantage of, you know, being a, basically a professional already. He's played against men for a number of years right now. And apparently word out of Minnesota is the kid looks pretty good right out of the gate. So I will go with Kaprizov as my Calder winner. If you want a long shot, Trevor Zegras is, is pretty far down the list actually as well. Uh, he's plus 1750. And, I mean, we all saw what he did at the World Juniors. That might help be a bad long shot if he comes in and gets some significant time right out of the gate. Let's go to the Vesna. We'll, we'll start off with the Vesna here, okay? Now, Connor Hellebuck, one of the favorites for the award. No surprise, he won it last year. Uh, Vasilevsky is actually the odds-on favorite at plus 650. At plus 650, sorry. Connor Hellebuck is plus 800. So he's the number two favorite to go back-to-back for the Vesna Trophy. Not bad. I'm going to go with Carey Price to win, though. I think Hilly will finish in the top 10, uh, but I'm going to go with Carey Price. I think what we saw in the bubble is what's going to happen again this season for the most part. You're getting plus 1,100. He's uh, tied for fifth. He has the fifth best odds to win the Vesna this year, so I'm going to go with Carey Price there. For each of these awards, too, I did it already, but I'll also give you guys some long shots as well, maybe where the money could be made here. I'm looking at Robin Leonard with the ninth best odds. I think Vegas might have the best decor in the NHL, so there's the chance for him to put up some some pretty big numbers. You're getting him at plus 1,400, not bad. And Darcy Kemper, just a little bit down below him, plus 1,900. Darcy Kemper has put together some really impressive seasons. If he pushes them into a playoff spot, that's a nice little narrative, and and I, I don't know, I, I, might, I might sprinkle a little bit on Kemper there at plus 1,900. To the Norris. I don't think a Winnipeg Jet is going to win the Norris this year. But if you're feeling nuts, Neil Pionk has the 27th best odds at plus 4,400. I don't see Josh Morrissey listed anywhere, so I don't know. I mean, hey, if you're thinking he's going to go and have himself one hell of a year and you find some odds for him, go at it. I don't see them here. Um, but I am really, really high. I just think I think Kale McCarr is a stud. I think Kale McCarr comes in his second year and wins the Norris Trophy. I don't know how much of an upset that is necessarily either. He is one of the betting favorites. Uh, You can get him right now at plus 1,300 for the Norris. I just think he's going to put up a ton of points. We all know points really drives the boat when it comes to awards. And the Avs are going to have a tremendous season. So I'm going to take McCarr to win the Norris. The long shot that I, I really like, and I'm going to put some money on this one. And I, I talked about narratives a little earlier, guys. Do you know who has the most Norris votes over the last 20 years but does not have a Norris trophy to show for it? The guy's Shea Weber. And I know he's not the Shea Weber that he once was, but he's getting really good odds, guys. Plus 2,700. That's way, way down there. I wouldn't mind throwing some on Shea Weber. You know, if Montreal has a really good season, I think he's still going to get power play time. So he's going to put up some points. But if Carey Price is really good, in a way that's going to rub off on Shea Weber himself looking pretty good. So I, I just think as far as odds go, Shea Weber at plus 2,700. Also, Shea Theodore just below him at plus 2,400. That's some pretty good value with those two players. All right, so to go, we still have the Maurice Richard, the Art Ross, and the Hart Trophy. So let's go to the Maurice Richard as far as who is going to win the goal-scoring race 
in the NHL. And interestingly enough, there is a number of Jets littered throughout the rankings here. Well, let's go with that first, okay? I don't know if this is surprising to you or not, but Kyle Connor is one of the odds-on favorites to potentially win the Maurice Richard Trophy. He's at 7th, a tie for 7th, plus 1,700. So if you think Kyle Connor is going to take another step this season, not bad odds for Kyle Connor to potentially win the Maurice Richard. A major long shot that I actually kind of like, to be honest, is Mark Shifley, way, 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 way down, plus 6,400. So, I mean, maybe don't bet the house on this, but we know what drives the Maurice Richard. Like what, and especially in a shortened season, what pumps up goals? It's time on ice, it's power play time, and it's an elite shot. Mark Shifley has all three of those things big time. I mean, he's going to play 21 minutes a night, I would imagine. I mean, Nick Ehlers being on that line, you might say that Mark Shifley's kind of the trigger man there. I I wouldn't mind putting just, you know, maybe a couple bucks down, but plus 6,400. Would it shock you if Mark Shifley, say, scored 35 goals in 56 games? Just something to consider there. But I'm going to go with Austin Matthews at plus 450. I think he's going to win the Maurice Richard. I think playing with Mitch Marner all season long, that's going to buoy him to his best, I guess, pace-wise goal-scoring season so far. Plus, he was just one off the lead last year, so not really going out on a limb a whole lot there. A couple other long shots for you. A guy that might not surprise anybody if he completely goes off this year. What about Patrick Liney, y'all? I'm here, aren't I? I'm here to score goals, aren't I? <laughs> He's uh, tied for 14th at plus 2,400. Again, I kind of like, if I was to bet on this, I would put some on Liney and some on Shifley, to be totally honest with you. Liney, I mean, he has the pedigree to go off. Plus 2,400 is pretty good value. Shifley at plus 6,400. I mean, that's craziness. I don't think he should be that low. I might throw a couple bucks on that. Let's go to the Art Ross before we go to the Hart Trophy. I mean, you can... I'll, I'll throw a long shot out for you guys, but for me, the Art Ross is going to be locked up pretty early on. I am, uh, I'm going to go with Connor McDavid. Shocker. I think he's going to have 100 points. I think he's going to be the only guy in the NHL to get 100 points in 56 games. I think we're going to see his best season yet on top of that. So you're not getting much value for this. <laughs> it's only plus 320. I mean, even if you like Nathan McKinnon more, he's second at plus 520. I think McDavid's going to put up more points, but I'll go a little bit further down as to a quote-unquote long shot. He's still in the top 10, uh, but Jack Eichel at plus 2,000. He's going to have his best linemate in his career with Taylor Hall, and he is going to play so damn much. He might he might lead the league in terms of forwards and time on ice, which, especially when it comes to the Art Ross, is a pretty big deal. So I'm going to go with a long shot, Jack Eichel at plus 2,000, but ultimately I think Connor McDavid runs away with the Art Ross. Let's go to the Hart Trophy. And again, <laughs> should we just go with Connor McDavid? I am. I think Connor McDavid wins the Hart Trophy as league MVP. Now, again, I mean, the Hart Trophy, in a way, has always almost been an extension of the Art Ross. So if you think a guy is going to win the Art Ross, you might as well sprinkle him in as the Hart Trophy winner as well. But why I would put McDavid ahead of McKinnon, for example, is that McKinnon getting to the playoffs and the Avs, no big deal. The Oilers getting back to the playoffs, 
big deal combined with the fact that a lot of eyeballs are going to be on the North Division, a lot of voter eyeballs. So I am going to go with Connor McDavid to win the Hart Trophy. But again, plus 450, he's the front runner. The, the odds aren't super great there. As we move down here, Connor Hellebuck, unlikely, especially he would have to better the season he had last year, but you're getting him at plus 3,400. The next closest jet, Mark Shifley at plus 5,400. So, hey, I mean, if you think he's going to win the Maurice Richard, why not just double down? Maurice Richard plus 6,400, the Hart Trophy plus 5,400. Now, I did find some player point totals, uh, this again on cool bets. We'll just do a quick over-under here, and then we've got a coach one that I want to get to as well before we close things out. Here are point total over-unders for the top four point scorers for the Winnipeg Jets this year, and I'll give you my pick for each of them. Mark Shifley, 53.5 as far as his over-under for points this year. To me, this is the easiest one out of the bunch. I'm going over. I mean, he was over a point a game last year. He's going to get ice time up the wazoo again. I, I just don't see why Mark Shifley isn't I, I'm not going to say he gets, you know, 65 or 70 points in 56 games, but to me, 56 and 56, yeah, I'll, I'll log that in there. So I'll take Shifley over. Cal Connor is also 53 and a half, by the way. Both him and Shifley, I guess, are projected to lead the team in scoring. I am going to go the under, and I feel pretty confidently in that too. And I'll explain why. And this isn't to say Cal Connor is going to have a bad season. I don't think that whatsoever, but he's not on the top line right now. And last year, Kyle Connor, I mean, he wasn't overly efficient, right? Right? But he played 21 minutes a night for the Jets last year. If he's on the second line for an extended period of time, he's not going to play 21 minutes a night. That, that's pretty much it. <laughs> that's my only reasoning why. I, he might score at the same pace, you know, as far as points per 60 goes. But he's not going to get 21 minutes. And if it's just you know down to 19 minutes a night, for example, he might put up the same sort of totals as far as points per 60 goes. But I think he finishes just a shade under 53.5 points. I couldn't find Nick Ehlers' point totals, by the way. So if you see them, let me know. And I, I would probably lean towards the over on that because he's going to play on the top line. Blake Wheeler, 50.5 points. So last season, Blake Wheeler... 0.92 points per game, so they're basically expecting him to continue his his point projection. I'm going to go just a shade under that. I don't think it's much under, but, I mean, the dude is 34, soon to be 35. I think I think Blake Wheeler has a good season. I just, you know, not, not that good, right? Somewhere in the 45, somewhere in the high 40s, I think, is where he's going to finish up this season. And then we have Patrick Liney at 49.5. How good do you think Patrick Liney is going to be this season? I think he's going to be good. I think he's going to be motivated. He's only 22. We might see the best version of Patrick Liney so far yet this season. His over-under is 49.5. I'm going with the over on that. Another reason for that is, A, I think his power play goals go back up. They were down last year. So I think we see an increase in power play production. And I think at some point during this season, he's going to overtake Blake Wheeler for first-line right-wing spot. That uptick in minutes is going to get him up over the 50-point mark. Now, before we go, I hate to do this, guys, but this was emailed to me, and I, and I just think it's interesting. I would love to know your opinion on this. Again, hit me up on Twitter, at Brandon underscore Rewiki. The first head coach to be fired this season. These are the odds for the first head coach to be fired in the NHL this season. Jeff Blaschel leads the way, 8-1 to one odds. I don't think he will get fired just because 
That that to me is something that happens at the end of the season. Rick Tockett in Arizona is number two, just behind him at nine to one. You know, that one wouldn't surprise me actually if Arizona is slow out of the gate. But Paul Maurice is number three. Ten to one odds to be the first head coach fired. And I guess I mean Clearly, he is on one of the hotter seats in the NHL. He's the second longest tenured coach in the NHL. I guess this is predicated on if the Jets get off to a really, really slow start, could Kevin Sheveldayoff pull the trigger quickly to try to get his team back on track? I think Paul Maurice will get the season. My prediction, though, is that the Jets do make a coaching change in the offseason. Whether or not you like this, I guess my bold prediction heading into next season is that Bruce Boudreaux is going to coach this team. I think as far as fit goes, as far as personnel goes, I think Bruce Boudreaux is one of the top five coaches on the planet right now. And, hey, whether it's Boudreaux or Gerard Gallant, I mean, you would be potentially getting a big-time guy coming in, and, and I think a lot of people would agree, an improvement as a bench boss for the Winnipeg Jets. But I just thought I'd throw that your guys' way. Paul Maurice, odds on the third most likely head coach to be the first can for this season. All right, so that does it for us today. Again, I'll just I guess I'll just revisit my predictions quickly with the North Division. Sorry guys, but I have the Winnipeg Jets just out at the 5th spot. Toronto, Montreal, Calgary, Edmonton occupy the four playoff spots in the North Division with the Jets just missing out. But hey, it's going to be tight. And hey, who knows after the first week or two of the season, I might change my mind on that. It's not going to shock me either. Uh, But our next show, we're going to dive right into that actual hockey to break down. I'm so damn excited. I'm going to make sure to get up bright and early too to give you a recap of the Jets season opener against the Flames. I promise you the breakdown will be on Friday's episode, so make sure to check that out. Plus, on top of that, I'm excited. It's Italian time. We're going to talk a little Italian. This was a listener suggestion as well, so thanks so much for passing this along. If you have more restaurant suggestions from places that you want to hear, places that you want to be highlighted, please let me know again on Twitter at Brandon underscore Wiki. But Little Nona's house is going to stop by. They've also got a great connection with Jets 1.0 as well, so we'll head back to the vault for some story time on top of all that. Until then, enjoy the start of the season, everyone. Let's hope for a quick start by the Jets. Let's hope they shock the world, too, and and prove me wrong, make me look like an idiot, all right? But enjoy game one of the regular season, and enjoy the 55 to follow, everyone. Until then, peace!